0: Extraction, which is now on Netflix, is the best action movie of the year. Now granted, it's a weird year, but even in a normal one, I can't imagine a more impressive sequence than the 12-minute seemingly continuous shot in Extraction in which Chris Hemsworth leads a young boy through unbelievable carnage unbelievably quickly, doing stunts that would be impressive even with lots of editing and fixes in post. The reason the sequence is possible is our guest today, Sam Hargrave, who makes his directorial debut with Extraction. He came to directing by way of being a stuntman, working his way through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where he doubled for Chris Evans as Captain America, created some of the MCU's best fight sequences, and impressed the Russo brothers enough that they offered him extraction. I also get to ask him some things I've always wondered about, like, how do you become a stuntman? And can actors who fight convincingly on screen also fight in real life? Welcome to Movie Maker Interviews, presented by Movie Maker Magazine and MovieMaker.com. I'm Tim Beloy. If you like this please leave us a review or tell a friend. And now, our interview with Sam Hargrave, Director of Extraction. Congratulations. It must be really fun knowing that you have this incredible thing that you're about to kind of blow people's minds
1: with. It's wild, you know, sitting here counting down the days and uh, just getting lots of positive feedback from the trailer and different articles or images that have been posted online, and, you know, Hemsworth and the Russo brothers have been awesome. They're they're promoting it hard, and so it's it's a really crazy position to be in, and it's a dream come true, truthfully.
0: Yeah, you know, the way this is coming out, and that it's coming out kind of during everything happening, I assumed this will be, like, okay. This will be, like, a nice distraction, because we can't go out and see, like, a, you know, big explosive action movie, and it's, like, it's so much better than the average action movie. I mean, it's so... And, and nothing gets taken away from seeing it on a smaller screen. I mean, it really does just blow your mind again and again.
1: Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Very high praise. I mean, we we tried to you know to really push the envelope with the action, but also the thing that drew me to the story, to the script that Joe Russo wrote, was it was an action movie, but with a heart. So it's it's not. I mean, as I read it, and what we tried to do it was not just an action movie with doing action for the sake of action. The action is really. Revealing things about this character, and slowly throughout the film, you're peeling back layers of the onion, revealing the this kind of dark uh, past of, of Rakes and this story of redemption as he, you know, rescues this kid. So we we tried to, it's just deliver on the the promise of the the title and the what the great script that Joe Russo wrote.
0: Yeah, he did do a tremendous job. I know it sounds like I'm just saying nice things, and I don't do that if I don't think the movie's good. But it's one of those scripts where the more you think about it the more things pay off and the more it makes sense and it just does a really good job of sort of setting things up for later.
1: Great well again high praise and I appreciate it man (laughs) uh, you know it was a a team effort for sure and we had a good team tell you what we we had a we had a good assembled uh, I mean it was kind of an Avengers assemble kind of thing you know we a lot of us that came from the Marvel world gathered for this and then put together uh, you know quite the ensemble.
0: If we could start at the beginning of that journey how does
1: one become a stuntman? Ooh, that's taking it way back. Uh, Everybody has a different path into stunts. Mine was through martial arts. I started doing that when I was a young teenager. And and I I go that far back because what that led me to was Hong Kong cinema, the movies of Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Donnie Yen, Sammo Hung, you know, all of the my idols of that era. And yeah. so I would study those things just religiously. I mean, three times a day. If I was not moving, not doing martial arts or school or music or whatever, I was. If if I was eating, I was watching these movies mm-hmm. and studying them. So that that led me to uh, film school, and then in film school, a lot of action related projects, as you can imagine. And then I started kind of doing fight scenes, putting fight scenes together. And trying to just basically copy from the best, you know, try to emulate a Jackie Chan scene. And and we, I would end up doing kind of the bigger stunts because I couldn't, in good conscience, ask my <laughs> friends to get hit by a car or fall off a building or, you know, whatever the crazy stuff we'd come up with. And I'd end up doing it. So my good friend, Thayer Harris, who actually, full circle awesome, was the second unit director on Extraction. Ah. I've known him since we were, I mean, he was probably 15 and I was 14 years old. Wow. So, and we, you know, made films together when we were young and just him grown up doing stunts together. And for him to direct, you know, some of the action for me was, it was unbelievable just having him there and, and that, that full circle. So he, he was the one who, in North Carolina, he said, Hey, you know, you're pretty good at falling on your head. There's, there's people who do that and get paid for it out there in California called stuntmen. And I was like, Oh, good idea. Because to <laughs> me, making movies was doing it all. It was writing, directing, acting in, doing the stunts, editing. It was everything. So I just wanted to make movies, and I didn't break it down into smaller categories. Yeah. That's just the way my brain works. And he, you know, kind of opened that door for me, just the the concept of a stuntman. So I drove across the country to LA, started doing stunts, and got really fortunate. You know, got a job doubling a guy, and uh, you know, the rest is history. How do you audition? I
0: mean, do you? Do you find ads for, you know, when you need a stuntman double for this person or is it
1: do you have to know people? Yeah, it depends, you know, again, there's a lot of different ways in. Sometimes they hold open castings. Sometimes it helps knowing people for sure. Mm-hmm. For me it was a little bit of both. We there was a thing called, I think it was I'm trying to remember the exact name, the stunt contacts, I believe, where it was like a monthly publication or bi-monthly where they would back in the day when you could do this, they would kind of send out the locations of where things were shooting and the address for the production office and you could send in your headshot and resume huh. and send some and sometimes people would call you sometimes they wouldn't but you'd spend half of your half your day at kinko's you know printing out headshots and getting uh-huh. copies of your reel made and then you'd send these packages out and spend most of your money in shipping but through one of those submissions i you know somebody saw my reel and saw my uh, resume which said nothing other than my skills and huh. uh in film school and they they gave me a chance do you have a brother who does this too? I do. My younger brother, Daniel Hargrave. He uh he started up um gosh, well his first role was he was doing some stunts for us on Warrior back in two thousand and ten it was, two thousand and nine. And then mm-hmm. he but he played professional baseball and he was, you know, doing his own thing and then when that kinda petered out and he got injured and, and wasn't able to continue, he kinda was like, Oh, what do I do? And then I was like, Hey, you know. I know you've always said it's my thing, but I think you could really enjoy this. We're doing this show down here in Georgia called you know, The Hunger Games, uh, you know, Catching mm-hmm. Fire, the second one. Why don't you or maybe it was Mockingjay. I think it was Mockingjay, 2014. Hunger Games Mockingjay. And I was like, "Come on down. We need uh meet some guys just try it for a week." And he's like, "All right, I'll try it." And <laughs> th- again for him that that week led to now he's one of the top stuntmen in the business and he's second, you know, directing on MacGyver. and He's just, when I go to Georgia, people go, oh, you're sad. You're, you're Daniel Hargrave's <laughs> brother, aren't you? <laughs> and I go, yeah, that's me. I am Daniel Hargrave's brother. Now, is he Chris Evans double or are you Chris Evans double? We have both done that. I mean, uh, along with many other people through the years, just for different skills or what have you. But I started doubling Chris with the first Avengers film yeah. um, back in, I guess it was 2011. We shot that, the Joss Whedon movie. And. That was where it started. And then my brother took over for me on the um, on Infinity War and Endgame. So he did. I did the early Avengers and he did the last Avengers ones. I I reprised the role because there was a scene where I would get to fight against my brother um, in the Marvel Universe where in Endgame, you know, when Cap gets to fight Cap.
0: Oh, my God. That's you uh, guys?
1: that's us that's brothers brothers fighting that's i shaved my beard cut my hair came out of retirement and said all right we're doing this so we we uh, we got to slug it out on screen for one of the, well the most i guess successful movie of all time it was a really really unbelievable experience
0: oh that's so cool that's just oh yeah. wow man so how does that lead to this how does that lead to extraction i mean i'm sure the russo brothers were really impressed with everything you've done
1: yeah, it, I mean, I started working with the Russos uh, on Captain America, The Winter Soldier. I was just doubling, and they were directing that movie, their first big shot at action, you know, and they knocked it out of the park. They did an amazing job. Still one of the top movies in the Marvel Universe, in my opinion, just the just kind of the new energy they brought to that character and to that franchise. Really. Um, and so I got to work very closely with them. We became friends, and Uh, Just saw their passion for cinema and storytelling, and I got on really well. They called me and asked me to coordinate uh, Captain America: Civil War for them. So, you know, that was a big deal in the Marvel universe because they knew me as a stunt double, but they vouched for me and brought me in as the stunt coordinator. And so, I was doubling and coordinating, and we got to know each other better, and you know, designing more with them, working through the script phase of designing action. So then they brought me back on Infinity War, and you know, we'd kept in touch in between the films, but. It was really on Infinity War when we started talking seriously about me directing and how that was my kind of goal and that's where I wanted to that's where the direction I was headed. And Joe, you know, said, Hey, I think I have a script that will would be a really great first film for you. Give it a read. So I I did and it was the script for extraction.
0: (laughs) Now, before we get into extraction, because there's so much stuff I wanna ask about that. I have just kind of a dumb question, but I think about every time I'm watching one of these incredible martial arts sequences. If an actor is good at fighting on screen, are they generally good at fighting? I mean, if Keanu Reeves is that good in John Wick, can he probably also
1: fight if somebody attacks him walking down an alley? Yes. I mean, there's you, you can't spend that much time training and doing martial arts without ha- acquiring a bit of skill. Now, <laughs> the the beauty of movies is you know, the fights are designed for the heroes to win. <laughs> so, so, you know, the, regardless of their skill, they're going to, they're going to, the fight's going to go down how we design it to, but yes, because the counter Reeves, uh, Chris Hemsworth, even Charlie's Theron, like they put in so much time in the training. I would not want to be someone who mistakenly tried to, you know, take something from them in a dark alley would be <laughs> it, my point. Yeah.
0: So, the thing everybody's talking about, the thing that's been sort of floating around online for a few weeks, is the oneer. It's an incredible 12 minute sequence in the middle of extraction that involves, first of all, a oneer for anybody listening is a single continuous shot. This single continuous shot involves two different people being hit by cars, uh, children, lots of extras, lots of falls, live ammunition. <laughs> Nice fight! It goes. It, I've named like half of the things that happen. It's so unbelievable. Can you just walk us through how you begin to construct something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Making that list makes me think kind of the joke that Daniel Stevens, my good friend and stunt coordinator, were like, like trying to fit in every stunt possible. <laughs> I think we got. We got pretty much everything except being underwater and maybe you know, lighting somebody on fire. But we, everything else, cars, you know, heights, wires, fights, guns, we pretty much got it all in there. We, we tried. So <laughs> something like this is an incredibly ambitious undertaking. And for us, a lot of the reasoning came from the action sequence as it was written on the page. Very well, I might add, by Joe Russo. Sure. was huge. I mean, it read like anything, anything James Bond or Jason Bourne would do, but almost bigger. So I was like, holy moly, this is insane. I don't know, looking at our budget and our time frame, how we're going to do this. And the last thing I want to do is attempt something like this and have, you know, people pat you on the back and go, mm, yeah, nice work. You tried. <laughs> and so we were like, how do we, how do we approach this in a way that is achievable in our timeframe, but that also has a very, just unique approach and, this distinct to this movie and to, you know, my voice or the lens through which I want to show action. So I thought about it and I was like, well, it seems pretty great for the story because, you know, we're, we're promising this extraction, right. But it's the, the, the title and kind of the, the premise of the movie. So what if for our kind of this sequence, this escape, we do it and bring the audience along with us in real time. Yeah. To where you get to experience it, so that by the end, or you don't really realize as you're watching, maybe what's going on, but by the end, you're like, oh my god, like I have held my breath for 12 minutes. Yeah. And so you just like start. You're like, oh, why am I so tired? And then when they <laughs> rest, you get to rest. You know. So that was the idea. And so then once we've kind of figured out now this is the goal, how to then do you execute this? So I started just writing pages because it had to be described just kind of changed a little bit keeping the same story beats and all the important story points of from joe's script is how did we want to hit those beats in our journey so i laid those out and then you start to you write a beat sheet that you print out and share with everybody just so everyone knows and then i would go with the locations department and production designers and, and find these locations and just once you get there you're like oh this is perfect Or, you know, "Mm, just keep looking. But once you found it, then I would go in with the stunt team and we would take the action that they had been designing off site at the stunt rehearsal space and now apply it to the real world. So that maybe what was working nice in the big open stunt gym would have to be modified slightly that we're now that we're on a staircase or, Mm -hmm. you know, we're 30 feet up and there's a balcony, you know, or we'd look at it and go, ooh, what if we did this? Mm -hmm. And so it it would expand. And it started to become something real and it would take shape. And then we'd rehearse it and actually shot the sequence before we shot the sequence. Meaning I took my, you know, little Sony a7S camera out there and with the visual effects was there and editing and we all just, we'd think about these sequences and I'd shoot them and then we'd stop. We'd kind of piece them together and say, all right, how's this going to work? And just make sure that we were ready and we knew all the beats, all the places where for technical reasons, because say, you know, we start this fight in one space and then we go through another door and we end up in another beautiful space. But that second space is, you know, 10 blocks away. So how do you, how do we get there? You know, how do, what camera tricks do we use? All the logistics we had to figure out. And so we shot it, edited it and you know, just made it before we went and made it. And we went on, I don't know, eight different tech scouts with the entire crew walking through the whole sequence so that everyone was just no questions about what we were all trying to do and how we were going to do it. And it went extremely smoothly on the you know the ten days when we shot. But this isn't a real city, right? This isn't on a soundstage. This is a real location. No, none of what you see it is—it's all real. There's no—and that was something that we tried to lean into for this movie: was you know real action, real consequences, and just a feeling that you're you're there and you're in it. You're not, you know. And I've worked on so many sc- uh, movies that take place in front of green screen or blue screen or sound stages, and you know there's some great stuff out there and i you know those movies are fun but i i there's no substitute for the feeling for the visceral nature of being there and being in that environment and when you're seeing chris hemsworth you know sucking wind and he's tired and he's that that's helping his acting because he's really you know he's been going on for a minute and a half of action that he's done this might be take 17 that you're seeing in the final product you know cuz the the difficult part extremely satisfying part when you get it right but the difficult thing is there's no backup there's no b camera there's no oh don't worry about that one move we'll cut around it in the edit you if you get you know a minute and a half in and on move 47 you forget or you stumble and it you know all falls apart you don't just cut around you got to start again and then do it all over (laughs) so you know and he might even be perfect or the stunt guy you know so it's all these people who not just the the cast on camera, but the crew behind, you know, like sound. we got this whole group traveling through these spaces. It's me operating camera with the focus puller and this, the boom operator. And we're all just running through these small spaces. So the dance of logistics of how do we get all these people through this space without turning around and seeing them in the shot, it, it was just a, an incredible technical feat. And the cast and crew were just so awesome. What city was it? And did you have to just take over several blocks of the city to pull it off? Oh yeah, the we shot in uh, Ahmedabad, India, which is mm-hmm. north of Mumbai, and we chose that city. Uh, Phil Ivy, our wonderful production designer, because he'd scouted all over, and there were a number of things that had taken to consideration. Is because for various reasons we weren't able to shoot a lot of the film in Dhaka, Bangladesh. We needed to find somewhere that had very similar architecture mm-hmm. so that we could, you know, buy that we were there. And you know, Ahmedabad, it was. You know, a fairly small city in India with 17 million people, but it was (laughs) it was more manageable for whatever reason. We just it was had smaller. um, Some of the streets are smaller. The architecture was the main thing that really fit with the vibe of Dhaka, Bangladesh. Yeah, and then we just had more control. So we did on certain days. I mean, we we had two to three hundred security personnel shutting down. You know, five city blocks, but because there's so many people, yeah, we had to account for all of them because you can't. The last thing. Any of us want it because and the main concern within my career with stunts and as a director and, and Danny Tube is safety because yeah. at the end of the day, we're just making a movie and we all want to go home to our families. So yeah. just, we have to keep everyone safe. And we did. It was it was an amazing um, accomplishment. I think there's so many moving parts that to, to, the AD team was fantastic. It was, it was amazing. So you can do cuts,
0: like when you go around a wall or something. I mean, I'm sure it's things way more sophisticated than that. But there are places where you can cut and make it look seamless. There's other stuff where I'm just like, I I can't imagine how they did that. And then I saw the footage on Instagram of you and realized you're kind of the secret weapon because you are a stuntman. You're on the front of a car with a camera, speeding cars. And that's how you're staying as close to everybody as as you're able to get the camera. I mean, just the camera movement. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it was... Because part of the the feeling that Tom Siegel, our DP, and I had decided on was when we were in DACA, when we were on this mission, we wanted it to be very visceral and kind of almost documentary style, very handheld, very energetic. Not shaky cam where you can't tell what the heck's going on, but life in the camera. And so I was like, well, you can – you know, sometimes when that goes away and you're using long lenses uh, for car chases or anything so where you don't have to be as close, you can feel the change. And we wanted to keep it within the same – um, you know, signature style. So, how do you do that? I'm like, well, we gotta gotta get right in there. How are we gonna do that? Well, you know, there's, do we use a a, cam- a crane arm? It's like, no, it's too steady. Do we do mm-hmm. this? And like, no, I just gotta, I just gotta get in there. So, we devised a number of different um, rigs, different uh, modified vehicles, so that I could, uh, you know, do these certain things. And I think the the footage that's floating around on Instagram is this little, little blue car that. Hilariously, we had a camera vehicle for a lot of that, but for this one piece, we had to to stay close enough. We just that the wheelbase of the normal camera vehicle was too wide and it was too heavy and it just couldn't get around corners fast enough and we were kept losing them. So we had to devise this during rehearsal. We found this out. Get this little light car that could drift. So I'm drifting around corners. (laughs) It's like, how are you gonna hold on? Well, I got to be able to get off quickly for the next transition. So we got to keep, you know, keep it very clean. So I'm strapped to the, yeah, the hood of a little you know, rocket race car so that we can drift corners. And Tyler Whitty, our driver, of, I mean, there was a lot of great drivers, but he was the camera car driver. And he was sliding around, staying you know, inches from the rear end of this car. And I'm right there with the camera. And the only thing holding me on is, uh, is a little you know, piece of tech line. And then when the time is right, they pull. It's called a quick release so that I can get off the car. So that you have a seamless transition from this crazy driving, <laughs> and now somehow you know we get off and, and get into the car. We we just had a lot of wonderful minds devising great little tricks of how to make this thing smooth and seamless and, and super visceral.
0: It's been a little while since I saw Tokyo Drift. Drifting is like when you're coasting sideways on the tires, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Or if you come into a turn, instead of you know take turning, you just you're, you turn the wheel down and your front wheels lead the way, and you just follow the front is you're put your powering through so that your front end is kind of staying and your back end is drifting around the front as you turn the corner.
0: So as you put it before, the way you got into this is that you couldn't ask other people in good conscience to do these stunts. Is that the approach you took to, to shooting this scene?
1: That was definitely part of the reason it was we, i had some crazy ideas and I, as I thought about it, I'm like, man, I in good conscience, have a hard time asking <laughs> these camera operators to do this because things could go sideways. Um, and if they do, I would rather be in that spot because I've I've been in a number of hot spots throughout my career and have been able to, you know, just with body awareness and, and sometimes luck, just been able to get out of it. So I would rather it be me. And the other part of it is then there's no one to blame. There's no finger pointing. There's what you give the audience or what you get is exactly what you wanted them to see. Yeah. And you can't because sometimes in our business, you know, second unit director or whatnot, you, you get there, the final product and you go, oh, man, I wish they didn't cut there or gosh, I wish the camera operator had followed that to the ground or whatever the reason. And now in this instance, you're like, nope, that is you can't say that <laughs> because you, sir, we're operating the camera. So <laughs> <But> the- <laughs> you got no one to blame.
0: Doesn't anyone say, you're the director of this movie, we need you, we can't lose? I mean, i talked to the director of Hotel Mumbai, and he cut his hand in a fan. Um, his He yeah. got he got like a finger cut off in a fan, and it delayed the movie. I mean, if anything had happened to you, you could have gotten a way worse injury than that, and they would have had to delay the movie forever.
1: Well, maybe. I mean, it's funny, because I did have a lot of people, I think the only reason I was able to do this was because of my background. That's Because... Uh, Yeah, and I I was and I can be very adamant when I want to be, and I was like I'm doing this, and they're like okay, I guess we're doing it. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's true. We could have. I was very fortunate, and the you know the real the real heroes of that sequence is in keeping me and all the actors and everybody safe is the stunt team, Daniel Stevens and and all the guys who are responsible for keeping that safe and overseeing the safety and the ad department, Lee Cleary, like they all kept us safe and you know there were times when because you're in it right like and you want to just get the best shot that you push and i like this you push a little bit too much and you know daniel was always right there being like you know hey i think we're done and i'd be like no i gotta do this thing like we got a great (laughs) shot review the footage like you're not getting hurt today and i'd have to like with step out of the moment for a second and say hey you know what you're right like this this is a movie and as crazy as i get sometimes you're right we need to like we've got we've got good stuff let's not push our luck
0: how do you silence the part of your brain that goes, that's going to really hurt, or you're not going to be able to walk, or you're going to die?
1: You know, it's funny. You don't silence it. It's kind of like coming to, to understand it and, and then overcome. Because you, for me, it was always about when performing or even just coordinating or even operating camera when I'm directing, is you try to step back and look at all the possible scenarios. Like, how can this go wrong? What are the ways this could go south and someone could get hurt, me or anyone else? Think of all the possibilities and then start to just systematically go go down the list and and eliminate those variables where, okay, now as best you can. Certain times, for example, like when you're strapped to the hood of a car, at a certain point, you're you're trusting mechanics or someone else's judgment of when to pull a wire and it becomes trust. But you eliminate as much as you can, put the right people in the right spot. And then once you've done that, you've addressed all the possible issues. For me, it was all about focusing on what you have to do to succeed. And then so the positive outlook and that kind of visualization overrides and takes precedence over any of the negatives, because if you let that creep in that's when you know things can go wrong. For me, that's how I've noticed in my career. So I just focus on what do I have to do to get this right and just one moment at a time. It's a very zen state, really. Performing, yeah. stunt, or even like the stuff I was doing on extraction. You have to be present because if you're thinking in the future or you're thinking in the past of something that happened, you, you can take a misstep and it can mean your life. So you have to be present and aware of everything that's going on. And it's a really a pretty great uh, space to be in
0: is it easier to lead a set when they see you know this guy is putting himself at risk too not at ri- i don't want to say at risk because i mean i know you're taking great safety precautions but that you're willing to you're kind of not asking anybody to do anything that you wouldn't do i think so
1: i mean there's you know leaders come in all different shape sizes and, and styles but for me i've always led by example and so for this sequence to take place it was the first ten days of shooting. It was day one through day ten. So you definitely it, it sets a, a tone for the movie of showing one that you're gonna there's nothing you're not going to do as the director to get the shot and do what's best for the movie. Yeah. But also that you you know you you understand what the, how much work this take work this takes and how you know how hot it is and how hard this is but you're right there with your crew I'm not sitting in like an air conditioned tent saying do it again you know <laughs> and there's nothing against that there's I'm not da- uh, you know downplaying that style of leading because you know that also works but for me you know like if I've got an actor in the water I'm in the water with them yeah if I've got somebody up at height like I'm there with them showing like look I'm with you because it it's a very Acting and performing is a very kind of vulnerable space, and sometimes you feel alone. And so I just want to make sure that the performer, whoever's doing this stuff, knows I'm right there with you. And for most of the stuff that I'm going to ask you to do, I've done it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll do it again with you, and I'll be here if you need my help.
0: Was It sounds like you had to solve so many problems, but I always ask, what was the biggest problem that you had to overcome? Was it a technical thing? Was it a psychological thing? Was it a, we can't get that location?
1: Uh, you know... problems. That's all about attitude and perspective for me. And this might wax a little philosophical, but Mm. I I learned this a while ago, but people say, you know, some people see problems and I see opportunities. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of opportunities on this show and opportunities for me, for other people to, you know, solve problems and uh, solve issues, solve, solve, uh, use their minds to creatively come up with solutions to just make the movie better. And one of our biggest opportunities for using our creative minds was finding, you're right, finding a location for the bridge at mm. the end of the movie. What mm. what you see is bridge number 73. <laughs> and I, I kid you not, is one of the best stories, and you couldn't write it if you tried. We found the perfect bridge. I think it was bridge 70 or 69. I think it was bridge 70. It's <laughs> the perfect bridge. We had, you know, great, landscape on the other side we had control over it it was it was perfect length it was like oh we love this bridge you get the right height for the water it's it's amazing (laughs) we start getting into prep and it's like all right one location down let's move on to the next one and then somebody comes in with an article from the local paper and they say give this a read and I give it a read and I I I laugh out loud because I think it's a joke and they say not a joke the article says that (laughs) underneath this bridge they have recently discovered, like the army, they're in Thailand, their army corps of engineers or whatever the equivalent is, were down there talking about expanding the bridge. They were going to, whatever. And they found live ordnance from the Second World War <laughs> underneath our bridge. And they were shutting the bridge down, and no one could be in. in I was like, "You got to be kidding me! They got bomb like there's undetonated bombs under the bridge. That's a joke, and that was not a joke. We cooperated it with many sources. We went to the military, and we're like, "Is this are you serious? And they're like, "Yep, sorry, you guys can't shoot here. And so we had to find another bridge. (laughs) So, it just things like that, that kind of thing, just kept happening, and for me that that would be the biggest or most notable hurdle that we we faced and but by golly we we found another bridge bridge 73 or 72 i forget what number now but bridge mini 70s and we you know we made it work we just we just persevered that was the main uh, attribute of this crew that was so <laughs> great is nothing phased them and we just kept moving forward with a positive attitude and you know made a movie
0: so your budget must have been like 750 million dollars right
1: <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> but all that was spent uh, removing the bomb from the under the bridge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, um, this has been so much fun. Is there anything I should have asked that I? I'm sure there's a million things, but any particular thing I should have asked that I forgot?
1: Um, I don't think so. But I mean, I just gonna want to say if if you didn't uh, how incredible it was to work with Chris Hemsworth on this show. Yeah. He I mean he's done some great stuff. He's you know he's a movie star extraordinaire, but he really impressed me with his commitment to the cause and his collaboration. He would show up, I mean he's a you know he's a producer on the show. He's the lead. He's you know keeping a certain physique. So he's in the gym all the time. He's a family man. He's got all these responsibilities, but he would, you know, we'd we'd work a twelve hour day and then at night he'd come back and he, he would request another hour and a half, two hour rehearsal with the stunt team for the next oh. day's work. And then on the weekends, he would work with me and the, you know, the actors who were coming in to just, you know, sometimes day players or some, whatever. He would do, rehearse scenes on the weekend. He was so committed to the cause and so positive that he just really, you know, I mean, he's just a really amazing human being. And, and I, think, I think that commitment shows in his performance in the movie. And I'm really excited for the world to see his work in this film
0: well one thing that's cool is it's good acting too it isn't like it's just a stunt movie or like it's just an action movie the thing that most impressed me at the beginning like i didn't know what i was getting into but when the 12 minute sequence starts i'm like this is really impressive how good their acting is as they're speeding a car through a crowd of people and then it just keeps one-upping on that and getting more and more emotionally intense and more outrageous in terms of what they do it's 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 just a very (laughs) congratulations is all i could say congratulations thank
1: you i appreciate that very much